Exodus 14. Oh, Lord, he's there again. Yeah, I'm going to stay here for a while because I've been here for a while and you need to get in and take a ride with me because it is so good. We've been talking about Red Sea Revelations and how God has been speaking and, and uh, of course, uh, uh, just uh, listening for the heart of the Lord and all these things. And, and we've been making a journey with Moses and the Israelites. Uh, and, and, and we've been learning, the Bible says that the Exodus and the Red Sea and those things were written for our admonition. Specifically relating, relating to this instance, written for our admonition, that we should learn from it. Right? And walk in it. And so we're walking through this very slowly and methodically so that we glean some things. In Exodus 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And the Lord will fight for you. You have only, you have only to be silent. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this word and its relevance. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart, God. We all need it, Jesus. And so, Lord, let these revelations sink into our heart. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. All right, so Israel, we love this group. Here they are. They're trapped. Uh, uh, we've been through this story, so we're familiar with it. If this is your first sermon in this series, you, you can go back on our website, the podcast, all those you can catch up. But Israel's trapped and they're afraid. Anybody ever been afraid? Anybody ever felt like you were trapped and you're afraid? And, and in that moment when you're trapped and when you're afraid, right, you're looking for escape. You're looking for a way out. You, you feel the desperation of this moment. And so you, you do everything to get free from being trapped and being afraid. And so God's got one simple message for Israel. Be still and give me room. Yeah. Little P, PD translation there. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about give God room. Be still and give me room. But my question is like your question. How can that reaction solve any problem? Come on, we got a problem, we got to get involved. We got a problem, we got to, we got to, we got to get involved. We got to start working on it. We, how does be still solve the problem? Let me tell you a story about something that you are, are, are pretty familiar with, but I wonder if you are familiar with its reality and the truth of what it really is. In 1856, an artist by Augustus Bartholdi was on vacation in Egypt and he was overwhelmed by what he saw. He sees the pyramids, he sees the Nile, the grandeur of the Sphinx sitting there, the, the beauty of this river running through this area. And while he was there, he met another visitor. His name is Ferdinand Lespus. Lesbos was promoting a canal that would begin at the Red Sea and cut through the desert, ultimately joining the Mediterranean Sea. And this was going to be a canal that would save the merchant ships. We're, we're familiar with the Panama Canal and why that was built and why America built that so the ships wouldn't have to go uh, way out. But it would, it would cut off time. It would increase supply. It would, it would be better for the world as a whole. So he's proposing a canal that would begin at the Red Sea and go all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, saving all these merchant ships this long journey around the tip of Africa. Do you know what that canal is called today? 
the Suez Canal. Some of you are, are told he was inspired by Lesbeth's plan, and he proposed designing a lighthouse. Now, Michiganders are familiar with lighthouses. Amen? There's a whole tour. I haven't done it yet. I'd love to, but there's a whole tour. You can go around and see all the lighthouses. And I'm not real sure with modern-day GPS and ships whether uh, lighthouses are, are even necessary anymore with the technology. But they're there, and they stand for warning. They stand as a light in darkness. They stand so that you know where you're at. They're markers. All of these things that happen. And so he's proposing a lighthouse at the entrance of this canal at the Red Sea. He's proposing a lighthouse to stand on the Red Sea at a point at which people cross the Red Sea. This lighthouse would stand for, uh, uh, for this amazing accomplishment. It would stand as a light to guide people. It would be there and it would be like the symbol of light that the Western civilization is flowing to the east. And so he works on this idea for 10 years, drawings and plans, molding clay models, and, and he scrapped plan after plan until he found the right one, the perfect design. His lighthouse would be a robed lady mm, standing taller than the Sphinx itself. In one hand, she would hold a book of justice. And in the other hand, she would hold a torch, and that would be the lighthouse. Only one problem. Just one problem remained. Somebody's got to pay for it. He looked everywhere. No one was interested. And so when the Suez Canal finally opened, there was no lighthouse. Discouraged and disheartened after all these years, he returns to France. Ten years of his life wasted. Hello, church. But back home... The French government sought him out. They wanted to give a gift to America because of what America did for France against the Nazis. Hello, somebody. They chose his lighthouse. And today, it stands in a harbor in New York as it has for hundreds of years. We know it as the Statue of Liberty. Its original tent was to stand on the shore of the Red Sea at a point at which people cross the Red Sea. But there it stands in our harbor as a gift to us. I remember having a, a small debate with a young man in England when I was over there. He was a French, he, he was from France, and uh, he, he wasn't particularly fond of Americans. He thought we were brash and cocky, and, and I let him talk for a little while. And finally, I had enough, and I looked at him. This was at a men's meeting, and I'm the lone American redneck in the room. <laughs> and all these men are watching, and, and I said, you'd think you'd be grateful. And he said, what? I said, if it wasn't for America, you'd be speaking German. He's shocked. And I said, to prove it, your country gave my country a gift to say thank you that we don't speak German. So you should probably go on. 
that was a great meeting. And the harbor of New York City is a symbol of liberty. But its original intent was to be a lighthouse for the crossing of the Red Sea. What we are reading here in Exodus chapter 14 is a different symbol of liberty. It's it's not a statue, church. It's an event. It is an event that cannot be denied. It is an event that's unbelievably etched in the history of mankind. It represents the power that God has to bring liberty to his people. It, 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 this event in Exodus 14, it, it's, it, it's not a statue standing on the Red Sea. It is the miracle of over a million people who, God, who gave God room to march straight through an impassable situation. And right before the parting of the Red Sea, Moses makes a statement in, in verse 13. He says, do not be afraid. Whatever. Stand firm. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he brings to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll see no more. Your trouble, your taskmasters, your slave masters, the thing that has controlled you and ran your life for over 400 years, the thing that has robbed you of your dignity, the thing that keeps you burdened down. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That thing that has oppressed you, that thing that has kept you down is the very Everything from this day forward, you won't ever see it if you'll just give God room. Oh, I love this line. You'll never see. Come on, you ever had something in your life that kept you bound and burdened for years that you just long for the day where you never have to see it again, never have to deal with it again, never have to wrestle through it again? It's a great story. It's a story of the mighty hand of God. How exciting. I think in my life, right? You reread this story, right? It, you, you've, seen, you've seen Charleston Heston standing on the shore. You've seen it. Let my people go. A little flash here to you. Moses never said those words. Aaron said those words. <laughs> I just love the Bible. But it's a great movie, okay? It's, it's a, and they play it every year at Easter. It's just odd. We play the Ten Commandments at Easter. Uh, anyway, just, it's kind of like at Christmas eating a ham for a Jewish man's birthday. I mean, like, <laughs> just saying. I bet there's no Jewish men eating pork for their birthday. But n- nevertheless, I like ham, okay? And <laughs> I never complain, but it is a little odd. Um, I think in my life sometimes when I read this story, I think, man, how great would it have been to be there, to witness it, to stand in that crowd and watch the water just, look, feel the wind, uh, feel, I mean, just the whole emotion, I think, man, that would have been an amazing thing to watch the dust rise from the bottom of a sea as million plus people walk across it. You think, man, 
would have been great to be there. But the thing is this. None of the Israelites at that particular time were excited about being there. No, no. They want to be anywhere but there. As a matter, they're so desperate to be anywhere but there, they start fussing at Moses. Did you bring us out here because there were no graves in Egypt? Like, were all the cemeteries full in Egypt that we got to come out here and die? We could have died there. That's the story. That's the irony. We hear about God's miracle-working power, and we want that. Come on. We hear about God's miracle-working power, and we want that. But the problem is no one wants to be on the front side of a miracle. No, no, no. We'd rather be anywhere but there. You see, the reason we need a miracle is because it's beyond our ability. The reason we need a miracle is because it's beyond anything that could happen. It, the reason we need a miracle is because it takes God to do it. And if God don't do it, it ain't getting done. So in, in order to be in a place where you need a miracle, let's just be honest. Nobody wants to be on the front side of a miracle. If you've been healed from depression, you don't want to be on the front side. If you've been delivered from anxiety, you don't want to be on the front side. If you've been wounded by someone in your heart and you need the miracle of God to heal your heart because someone wounded you, you went through, no one wants to be there. If your marriage has been delivered, you don't want to be. If your prodigal child has come home, I'm talking to somebody. Ain't a parent in here that wants to be on the front side of that miracle. And none of us want to sit on that porch. None of us want to sit on that porch. No, 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 no. We want the miracle, though. But let's just be honest. We're all human in this place. Nobody wants to be on the front side of a miracle. No, I don't want to be anywhere but here. If we need healing in our physical body, we don't want to be on the front side of sickness. That's sickness. If we need deliverance from addiction, we don't want to be on the front. Just whatever it is. And how many times in this church alone have we seen the miracle working power of God and celebrated the miracle working power of God, healing and deliverance and all the things. Jim just testified today about God moving in his life, finally giving him a kidney. That's a miracle because people are in line and line and line and line. You could live your whole life and not receive it. And here he is, but he don't want to be on the front side of that thing. I could go on. We all want to be on the back side of a miracle. And they're terrified, they're panicked, they're filled with fear. That's the front side of a miracle. Can we say amen? That's the front side of a miracle. Any place but here, any place but here, any place but here. No one wants to be on the front side of a miracle. Panic, fear, anxiety, alarms. They're all signs. It's time to give God room. They're all signs. 
fear. If there's fear gripping you this morning, it's a sign. It's time to give God room. Come on, if you're in anxiety, right, it's a sign to give God room, right? If you're struggling with a, 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 an addiction, it's time. That's a sign. It's time to give God room, right? Uh, your marriage is struggling. It's time to give God some room, right? You got prodigals out there. You got, it's time to give God some room. Are you with me, church, right? You believe in God. You're on the front side of this thing, and it's a struggle. There's panic. There's fear. There's anxiety. All these alarms are going off in your life. Listen to me, church. That's a sign. Everybody say it's a sign. It's time to give God room. Mm, stand still. Yeah, I mean, these Egyptians, they got swords, they got spears, they got chariots. They're famous for their ability to kill. And who would be more familiar with those things than the Israelites? They got legit reason to go, uh-oh, hold up, wait a minute. Something right? I'm not trying to take that away from us that we don't have legit reason to be concerned or to press in. Because see, in the mind of the Israelites, it's only a matter of time before the Egyptians swoop down and they're done too. How do I know that? Were there not graves in Egypt? In other words, you, you brought us out here to die. We're going to die right here. This is where our grave's going to be. We're, we're going to die right here on this sea. Sure, there's no way out. So Moses, 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 fear not and stand firm. Give God room. Listen to me, church. When, when our back is against the wall and we've run out of options, it's a lot easier said than done to give God room. Come on, I'm, I'm human. There's some times, come on. When you're faced with a situation you cannot control, we become afraid and anxious and nervous. We want to change something. We want to fix something. We, we want to be anywhere but where we are. You ever been there? Am I just me? I'm just preaching to me this morning? That's all right. I, I've done that plenty of times before. My wife's come in the room and go, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, somebody's got to preach to me. Stand in front of the mirror. <laughs> God said, you're a man of God. Sometimes you've got to tell yourself what God said about you. God said, you're going to be the head, not the tail. God said, he called you to lead. God said, he called you to change something. Come on, I, maybe it's just me. Not once does the Bible ever say worry about it. You can quote me on that. You can tweet it if you like. What, what you people got to do? You guys, you, you're not tweeting anymore. You guys are ig and That's not the right term. It's quote Instagram. Is that what it is? It's Instagram. I don't know how to use it. The, the, the interns are in there like, oh, listen, Pastor Don, you just do this. There's no instructions. There's no buttons. There's no nothing. I'm just trying to move and do. And I'm like, it does... Do you know not one time does the Bible ever say stress over it? Do you know not one time does the Bible ever say figure it out? So why do I worry about it, stress over it, and try and figure it out? Over and over and over again, the Bible does say trust God. Over and over and over and over again, the Bible does say give God room. Give God room. Give God some room. Do you know that worry is the opposite of faith? 
intern said this week, if worry is the opposite of faith, then technically worry is sin. I was like, you people are radical. But it's true. Whatever's not of faith is sin. Why shouldn't I worry? Why shouldn't I be anxious? I mean, I'm in a terrible place. I'm never going to get out of my problem. I've got a reason to be anxious. What's wrong with that, Pastor Don? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's happened. You don't know how, how neglected I've been. You don't know how throwaway I've been. You don't know how abused I've been. You know how nobody understands what's going on in my life. And no matter how I try to express it or how to share with that, you know, you, I, I still feel all alone. What's wrong? Why shouldn't I be worried? Why shouldn't I be concerned? Because the Lord is near. Because the Lord said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Because the Bible says to us over and over though, yay, yes, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't be anxious or fearful because I'm right there with you. Who wants to walk across that valley right now? Come on. Hey, it's all right then. If God is there, if God's going to be with me, let's go. I'm ready. I got my picnic lunch. Let's just, it's just the valley of the shadow of death. It's all the misery, it's all the burden, it's all the fear, it's all the anxiety, it's all the struggle in life. It is so bad. It represents all of that pressure, everything. It is so deep and it is so dark that it's literally named death. I'm ready. No, 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 no. That's the front side of a miracle. Hello, somebody. All we need to do is realize he is there. And he's not going anywhere. So if worry don't fix anything, can I just say this? Worry blinds us to the person who can fix the problem. That is so good. Worry is the thing that blinds us to the one who actually can fix the problem. It causes us to see everything else but him. Jesus said, who can worry by adding one single hour to his life? Worry doesn't fix anything. It just robs you of time. It robs you of peace. It robs you of strength. It makes you weak. It makes you vulnerable. It makes you prone to things you ought not be. It causes you to hook up and hang out with people you ought not hook up and hang out with. There are people in your life that ain't encouraging you to walk with Jesus and do what the scripture. You'll be done with those people. They only cause you worry and they only blind you to the person who can fix it. Hello, somebody. I asked my wife, I just told her this week, I said, You unfriend that person. She was like, That's rude. I don't care. You know, we can just unfollow. No, 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 no. They're not your friend, they don't love Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in his words. They just act like a fool. And you just obey your husband. <laughs> She's like, well, what am I going to say to that person? Nothing. They ever call you? No. They ever ask you how you're doing? No. You ain't saying nothing to them anyway. The 
valley of the shadow of death is a very real place. And sometimes there are some people who walk me there. And they don't intend to walk with me through it. I'm not being rude. I'm just not joined with everybody. You know what I'm saying? I tell people all the time, this, this leadership team's been together for 20 years. And this young man right here can tell you that he's set in some meetings that he didn't want to be in because they weren't pretty. Right? I don't hide that from him. But these men don't leave me at the edge of the valley. They walk with me. Come on, somebody. I want you to grab a hold of this thing. One of my favorite passages in the Scripture is the Lord is near in, in Philippians 4, 5, and 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, listen, I'm not saying I'm walking it perfect. Now, I'm telling you what, Friday, I had myself a, a moment. And a couple of them lately. And I appreciate the men who heard my heart, weren't offended by my lack of spirituality. Hello, somebody. I also appreciate Tim Carpenter. He sent me a text last night. He's like, hey, did you know the book of Nehemiah? I was like, yeah, there's a guy who wrote a book about it a couple years ago. It's okay. <laughs> he said, yeah, in that book, there's a statement that says, when your enemy invites you to the valley of Ono, you ain't got time for that. And I was like, man, you're right. Dang it. It's tough when you got to swallow your own words. Stand still. I am with you. Stand, see, I don't know about all the other promises, and sometimes I can waver on that, but here's a fact. Look back on your life. Look where you're at today. You are here today because God kept his promise. He kept his promise. You are here today because God kept his promise. I am with you. There might have been a lot of junker and water under, but God, you are here because God kept his promise. I am with you. Don't let worry blind you to the man who can fix a problem. So if worry blinds us to the one who can fix the problem, then worry is often based on wanting something that I want instead of what God wants. Ooh. I'm, I'm hurrying. Just relax. The Israelites wanted out of Egypt. Who wouldn't? Come on. Where's your Egypt? Where are you sitting right now? You're in, come on. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want out of Egypt? Let me tell you how bad Egypt was. When the exodus happened and the Israelites left Egypt, do you realize the Bible also tells us that some Egyptians left with them? It's called a mixed multitude. Obviously, it was that mixed multitude in the wilderness that caused them all the problems and those type of things. The murmuring and complaining came from the mixed multitude. There were Egyptians who left Egypt. So if Egypt is so good, they want it out, and for good reason. Who does not want? Who in this room does not want to be delivered from your current Egypt? I'm helping me. I'm helping me. Place of slavery and heartache and despair. 
And God sends them a deliverer. His name is Moses. And he leads them out of slavery. And they seen God's power. It was incredible. The plagues that God sent on Egypt. They witnessed all of it but experienced none of it. And when they started following God, they had this cloud by the day and this pillar of fire by night. Uh, they witnessed this thing, it, it, the miracle working power of God. And this cloud led them, this pillar of fire guarded them. All this stuff happened, but now they've come to the edge of the Red Sea. And the army of Egypt is nearly on them. And they've got second thoughts. Hello, somebody. They're beginning to think Egypt wasn't such a bad idea. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt? Why'd you bring us out here? They hated the front side of their miracle so bad that Egypt and slavery was a better option. Am I helping anybody today? They hated the front side of their miracle so bad that Egypt and slavery was a better option. How many times do people begin to experience the delivering power of God only to run up against some obstacles or something that seems too deep to pass or or too big to cross and just quit and go back? I'm just, come on, let's just be... Just because we love Jesus, we ain't perfect. God's working on us. And he's bringing us to this place, right? But this became a repeated theme for them. Over and over and over. They wander in the wilderness because of this hard-heartedness and this stiff-neckedness and, and this refusal. Uh, I mean, to let God be God and to give God room. Instead, they just have to wonder and they have to wonder. And in the midst of all their wondering, in the midst of all of their refusal to give God room, God still takes care of them. They close last the food, water out of a rock. I mean, I could go on and on and on. When they don't get what they want, when they want it, how they want it, they begin to remember the good old days back in Egypt, which were not good old days at all. Hello, somebody. I remember my wife and I first got married 30 years ago. Like, we had no money. We couldn't, we, we were poor. I mean, we, were, we had nothing. We, we bought $5 plastic chairs from Walmart. That was our living room furniture. We couldn't turn the, the gas on to the trailer we lived, moved into because we didn't have enough money for the deposit. And so my wife cooked in the microwave and on an electric Skittle. The master. Hello, somebody. She can stir fry on an electric Skittle with the best of them. Skitta, skitta, skillet. I got you. It was colorful, though. I mean, it, was, it wasn't just black. It was... The good old times. No one wants to be on the front side of that miracle. God gave them manna. They said, ah, man, I wish we had some meat to eat. We remember the fish in Egypt. God gave them manna. Ah. We remember the fish in Egypt. 
Come on, church. The cucumbers and the melons, the leeks and the onions, the garlic. We lost our appetite. We never want to see anything like this manna again. When they reached the promised land, they heard about these giants in the land. They cried out, Why did the Lord bring us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children would be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Still in Numbers, chapter 14, they're remembering Egypt. Every time life gets tough, these folk repeat the same refrain. Then don't you judge them. Watch out. We were at the concert Tuesday night. It was Christmas. Listen, nothing better. I went to a Kurt Franklin concert. Maverick City showed up. But I love me some Kurt Franklin. He can't sing a lick. But he is the choir master, the ultimate hype man in front of a choir. And I was like, yes, yes, and Amen. They started singing, wait on the Lord. Malin looked at me and she said, hey, Dad, you're going to go up there and do some Kurt Franklin moves? No, he can't sing and I can't dance, so we're not doing all that. But there was a, a singer there, Jonathan. He sang this song, Cycles. And it was like, dude, man, just touching on all kind of stuff. Just repeat it over and over and over and over again. I want to get back to how things were. I want to get back to how the good old days were. I want, to, I want to get back. 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 Listen, God has never taken his people backwards. His intent is always to take us forward. And I need you to hear this preacher well and hear him with your good ears today. What God has for you in front of you is much more better than what you ever had behind you. saying the good old days were full of problems they were come on I learned some stuff I grew and matured and I grow in there but listen to refuse to embrace my future in God because I'm stuck back there is to keep me limited and longing for the slavery of Egypt anymore but the Bible says whom the son is set free is free indeed I am a free man and a slave no longer I want what God's got for me if it's on the other side of a valley and across the big old Red Sea I want it. I want it. But God says, guess what? The enemy doesn't want you to give God room. So he makes your past look better than your future. I see Pastor Don's preaching this morning. Y'all don't even know it till later this afternoon. You're going to have a Doug Schwartz moment this afternoon. Oh, there it was. I got it. Ah, it was good. The only way for a Christian to deal for worry is to begin to think like Jesus thought. When he was on the cross, he said, not my will, but your. Come on, church. We got to learn to say, God, I want what you want. God, I want what you want. God, I want what you want. Mm. And so God says, give me room in your life. Stand still. And wait on the Lord. Give me room. And watch what I do. Moses promised the Lord will fight for you. Just give him room. 
Can I share with you one last observation? Is that all right? Here Israel is standing at the Red Sea. They're on the shore. And they had no idea the power of the story. Here they are standing on the shore, the edge of the Red Sea, and they have no idea how powerful their story would be when God got done with it. Can I tell you, everyone who's listening in this room, everyone who's listening on, online, everybody who's hearing the podcast for later on, maybe you just put this thing on repeat and you need to hear what your pastor is telling me, telling you today. You receive it in your heart what the Spirit of God is speaking to all of us. Your story is His glory. Joshua leading the people into the promise. I love Joshua, the great general. Oh, man. He was a different leader than Moses. And he sent some spies in to bring him back a report. We got to check this place out. So they're looking through Jericho. And while they're looking, they got discovered. And, and they end up hiding on the rooftop of a woman's house. I don't have time to read your Bible for you. They're safe, and, and she tells them this odd thing. What I want you to understand is, though, after it's all over with, and they have this conversation with her again, and she kept them safe, here's what she says to him. It's Joshua chapter 2. Now, I put it in here because I want to make sure you understand what your Bible says. I'm going to read it to you. These are her words as recorded in the Scripture. Joshua 2, 9. I know. She's a heathen. She, she's godless. She's not part of God's people. Listen to what she says. I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Did you, did, did you just hear what she said? Do you want to know how long it took for her to utter these words? And when the Red Sea happened? Forty years. Forty years later, there's still terror in everybody's heart because the Red Sea split in front of God's people because God's people gave him room. And they're like, this testimony can't go away. This te- you gave your God room, and he did. What n- it's amazing. And, they, and because of that, we're like, man, if, if the Red Sea can't stand in their way, if they're not conquered by the Red Sea because of who their God is, he's already given this land to them, and we just bide our time. As soon as you show up, we know the rent is due, and the lease is over. Oh. For- Forty years later, it's not the Israelites testifying of the crossing of the Red Sea. It's non-believers. What if that was the testimony of the church? Do you don't think because the church has been praying for 49 years that there's some people's hearts that are melting right now because our God is moving? I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching a little bit, just... Wow. This mess Israel found themselves in at the Red Sea, it became their message. This test became their testimony. This trial became their triumph. 
And because of the power of God, they who had been victims in Egypt received victory over their enemies because they gave God room. Can I help you out? Can I bless you with something right now? Only God can turn a mess into a message. Only God can turn a test into a testimony. Only God can turn a trial into a triumph. Only God can turn a victim into a victor. You might not like where you are right now. But you're on the front side of your miracle. And your story... And at the end of everything, it feels like it's all over. All your dreams are gone. Everything you worked for, it's just ruined. Everything is done. But I'm here to tell you that if you give God room, not only is he going to deliver you for his glory, but he's going to see your story and let it speak to those who come behind us. Amen. God is turning your mess into his message. God is turning your test into his testimony. God is turning your trial into his triumph. And God is turning you as a victim into his victor and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world all you gotta do all you gotta do is give God room come on The thing that made the difference for Israel was not their strength. It was not their numbers. It was not their military amount. As a matter of fact, watch this. I put it up here because I want you to write it down. I want you to remember. Israel did nothing to destroy Egypt. Except give God room. They didn't lift a weapon against their enemy. They didn't fight against their enemy. They didn't curse their enemy. God said, stand still, be silent, and give me room. Has God made you a promise he's going to deal with it? I'm asking the question. Has God gave you a promise that he's going to deal with it? And stand still, and be silent, and give God room. And I ain't preaching to nobody in that moment but myself. Y'all can receive it if you like. Worship team, why don't you come up here because... This is where we're at. Man, what, what a powerful story. Can I say this to us? The designer of the Statue of Liberty. How many have ever been to the Statue of Liberty? Raise your hand. Man, see, I'm... Bucket list. I haven't been there yet. I've seen it from an airplane. But I I haven't been there. I I feel so un-American. The designer of the Statue of Liberty, listen to me, church, his heart was for a lighthouse to shine for all to see. He had one purpose. Check this out. Hundreds of years, it stood in our harbor to declare... Another purpose. Freedom. Right now, there's an event in your life 
It's got a flower that you can call it whatever color you like or whatever. The root of it is a red sea. Right now, there's an event in your life, and it looks different for all of us. In this room, it looks different for all of us. And it is not as simple. Amen. As pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Pastor Don's not suggesting that. But it is as simple as finally releasing every bit of who you are to God when you're in a situation and you're in a desperate moment where you have no power to do anything anyway. Right now, there's an event in your life. It's a Red Sea. And you have your thoughts about it. I'm not without them. Hey, I'm just telling you, Friday, man, I called a couple of guys, and I'm so grateful they didn't require me to be a spiritual man. Because I, I said, hey, I just need you to, I'm going to preface this right now. <laughs> uh, this ain't going to be pretty. I'm there. I'm not talking about unrighteousness. That's different. I'm not talking about willful sin. I'm saying just being honest and open and going, you know what? I'm standing in front of this thing and I know what I know. But man, this thing has blinded me to the one I know. I need a little help. God is using your event as a lighthouse. What if your event is the monument God wants to put on the shore of an uncrossable sea so that others who come behind you can see someone else made it? Someone else made it. Someone else made it. That'll never happen, church, if you don't give God room. Will you stand with me in this place? We're going to do what we always do and open the altar and we're going to worship God, whether we worship Him in our seat, whether we come to this altar. I want to take the isms out of encountering God. I want to allow us to have a moment to respond to the Word. We should always respond to the Scripture. We should always respond some way or another. The Word of God calls for a response. These things were written for our admonition that we might learn and understand and know. who God is. So this morning, if this word is spoken to you and you want to do some business with, nobody's going to judge you in this house. If they do, you come talk to me. I'll, I'll fix it. Because listen here, man. I'm with you. We all standing on this seashore. So if you want to come in and say, Father, help me give you room. Help me get out of the way so that you can get in the way. If you want to come and say, God, I don't want to be on the front side of this miracle.
not my will, yours be done. If you want to come and do any business with God, we want to give you a moment. There are people who are trained to do altar ministry. They'll come and pray with you if you need it. So I'd like for us to worship for a minute as we allow a response from the Lord. Is that all right? Come on. The altar's open. Bless you, Jesus. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Come on, church. Jesus is calling. That's it. Come on, move out. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Yeah. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Y'all, go to the sing over. Go to a Come on, allow your faith. 
Some of you know my story. Pastor Don alluded to it earlier. <laughs> when we planned the schedule of the worship team who was leading worship, we didn't know that this was going to be the week. <laughs> I was like, wow, thank you, Lord, for giving me an extra blessing today. Allow me to leave. If you don't know my story, it's on the Save One website. And he made me a new name. We're going we're gonna to do a new song because there is a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Come on. Yes, it's mine. Come on. I met the author of my story, and he's mine. He's mine. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Do you know do you know the author of your story? <laughs> do you have a new name? Come on. All right, we're gonna do this song and follow along when you when you pick up with it.
celebrated church. And if he should be celebrated anyway, he should be celebrated in his house. Today, if you will, I want to pray as we close. You just take the hand of the person next to you and let's pray for our country. Can I say this? God's not done with us. Regardless of what our eyes might see, regardless of what the news media would tell us or try to sell us, God is not done with this great country. So, Father, right now, our hearts rejoice. Not for spite. Not for the fact that maybe we won a small battle. God, our hearts rejoice. Because you are a good God. And you don't abandon us. Even though we wrestle through darkness, God, you still come and you move. Sometimes, God, you use an agent that might offend us to put in position elements that you can use later down the road. Help us to be people of wisdom who trust you and believe in you. Even now, God, you are working. God, just because wicked men rule don't mean that you're not working. God, you are sovereign over them too. And so, God, our our hearts are not dismayed. Our eyes are not downcast, Lord. Instead, we look up to the hills from where our help comes. We look to the heavens. And we say, Jesus, be Jesus. And we say, make us agents of grace in the face of of violence. Make us agents of love in the face of hate. Help us not to be agents of violence and hate, but instead help us to be a people who carry your heart with sensitivity right now. Right now is the time for your church to carry your heart with boldness and liberty. With the freedom that you gave us. Right now is the time to celebrate But it's also not a time to sit down. We got more work to do, more gospel to preach, more people to save. For your glory and your honor. I pray for all the churches. I pray for all of uh, the houses and and the the unique ministries that help uh, to support life, God. Protect us. Right now, I'm asking for a hedge of angels, God. I'm, 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 I'm not just any angels. I want the angels that protected Job, that kept Satan from getting to him. That's the ones we want, God. We want you to wrap those around every church. We want you to wrap that around every pregnancy center that's helping God. We want you to wrap them around everybody who's on mission for you. We want you to protect them, God. The angels that protected Job, that's the ones we want. That hedge. Now is the day to ask for that, Lord. And I know you will give it. Keep us safe. Protect us. While we stand on the shore of an impossible sea and shine so that others will know you can make it. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give God glory. Turn around and tell somebody, give God room.